This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High performance. Human optimization. Human optimization. People think hectic. Craziness. No time. No fun. Just work, work, work. 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 Perform. Perform. Harder. Harder. Push. Push. Machines. High pressure. No time. It's time to slow down to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and human optimization specialist. During the show, Monique and her guest will talk about all things time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency On Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Efficiency On Demand. Today, I have the Info Product Funnel Genius here. His name is Chun Ainsworth, and Chun and me, we actually met on a business network event um, Probably that's that's how I would call it. And uh, we got uh, immediately into conversations about um, time management and being more efficient and how we both kind of wonder how people still love the hustle and crunch and that this is totally absurd to us, at least to me for sure. And so I'm super excited to have Chun on the podcast today and to be able to nerd out about all things efficiency and info product funnels because that's what it's all about. So welcome Chun to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having time. And uh, well, we made it like four times to schedule this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're here now. It's good. <laughs> right. Um, so tell me a little bit about where you're at right now and um, yeah, what you're doing, basically. So what we do is we help people who are selling info products like online courses, that kind of thing, to sell more to their existing visitors and leads. And there's tons and tons of people out there who have got these amazing uh, courses, these amazing products for helping people to learn a new skill. And they've built up a great audience and they've never done the work on the bit in between that connects the two of them together. So that's about the email marketing, the sales pages, Facebook retargeting, all that kind of stuff. And so we help people to figure out how to set all of that up so that they can explain the value of what they're offering and help people to get started with buying stuff from them and getting that great value. I love that, especially because... That's probably what I need to do too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not alone. There's lots of people who don't want to do that, haven't done that work. I know, right? I'm like every little month, uh, not every little, every month basically I'm sitting down I'm like this month I'm going to start with email marketing for sure. And then I review my months. I'm like, hmm, what test did I didn't do? Oh, email marketing. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> something you need to be uncomfortable with. I like it. You know what? I think it's not that I'm really uncomfortable with it. I literally just, it's just something that is in my eyes so not a priority on my list, which obviously is totally wrong. And mm. we all know that. But it's certainly like my priorities are, are maybe the wrong way around, or maybe they're just very much different. But it starts with elephants, you know, and then it goes all the way down and emails just tend to kind of fall off the list. Mm, interesting. Well, I've put together, because a lot of people have this and they don't know how much, you know, obviously one of the big things is to get your courses and your programs and your coaching out there to the world and like help people. And another part of it is you make money from it. And in terms of the money part, I've just put together this calculator recently, which is to help people to figure that out. So if you go to datadrivenmarketing.co slash calculator, you can just put in three numbers, your current audience size in terms of website traffic, your email list size, and how many new subscribers you get a month. And it will give you an estimate of how much more revenue it will make you. So if you ever want to try and figure out, is it the thing that's worthwhile for you to do next? And it isn't, it isn't for everybody, but for, for a lot of people, yeah. that's the right thing to do. And kind of seeing that number right. and going, oh, I could be making that much more per month, and I'm currently not doing that kind of gives people a bit of a motivation to to actually get started with it sometimes. Yeah, 100%. So, okay, let's 
go all the way back then and ask, how do we get started then? How do you get started with an info product funnel? Yeah, I mean, you know, let's just talk about the email marketing because I believe that's probably not the starting point. <laughs> but but it's so important, right? So, yeah. Well, there's yeah. two things, right? So let's the, talk about the whole funnel. The yeah. easiest thing that most people can do that they're not, I would say about 99% of people aren't doing this at the moment and you can set it up normally in about a day is having a tripwire offer when people sign up for your um, email list. So let's say you've got some kind of a lead magnet, a freebie, you know, a, a checklist, a guide, a template, an email course, all that kind of thing. When someone signs up, maybe you've just got something that says sign up for my email newsletter. If you've got like a few hundred people signing up for that every month, what normally happens, what most people do is on the confirmation page, they say thank you. Or they just have a little message pop up and say thanks for subscribing, it's on its way to you or something like that. And that page is actually one of the most valuable pages on your entire site. And the reason for it is all to do with human psychology. Mm. You basically find that people people will take action when they are in the right emotional and mental state to do it. And it's not really to do with you and what you've said as much as it is about them. So if they are at a point where they've had the problem clear in their mind, they've gone online to search for who's got an answer to this problem, they've found your site in the search listings and they've clicked on it, now they've taken action a couple of times. They've taken action to go and search, they've taken action to go to your site, then they get to your site and they spend some time looking around and then they sign up for your email, you know, your free guide or whatever it is. At that point, they are in a, an, a mental and emotional state where they're like, I want the, this problem solved. I've got this clear in my head. I'm ready to sort it out. And at that point, if all you do is say thank you, then you've lost their attention. You've lost that kind of moment in their day. And now you're back into their emails. And you know what? Everybody else is emailing them as well. So you've got to now compete to try and get their attention again and help them get back into that, into that right emotional state to be ready to deal with this. And so instead of that, what you can do is you can make an offer on that page and you make an offer for your something really cheap and an amazing deal that's going to help them ideally in about a week and without spending that much time. So if it's, that could be, you know, you've offered them a checklist, well, now you give them a one week course that's going to cost them I don't know, $7 or $47 or something really cheap, you know, so they can go, oh, no brainer, it's not much of a risk. I can get started buying something from this person. And then if you give them great value, they're much more likely to buy from you again. People are way more likely to buy from someone who they've bought from before and got good value. So you knock their socks off with this amazing offer. And that's the first thing that I get nearly everybody to do because nearly nobody, I'd say 99% of people haven't got anything on that page. So all you've got to do is set that page up and then it'll run forever after that. Right. So what we first want to do is get our audience that comes on our page to say yes as often as possible is that right yeah absolutely i mean that's that's part of the whole process of building trust right you want to get people thinking yes this is great i love this this is answering my questions this is perfect for me and they once they've said yes then get them to say yes to buying something cheap from you okay so now they bought my $47 mini course and mm. they thought I totally knocked them out of the pineapple socks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what next? Okay, so the next thing is if somebody's just taken action and they've, this is even before they've gone through your, your uh, pineapple sock knocking off course, um, just just after they've bought it, they're now in the state where they're like, oh, right, I have decided that this person is trustworthy. I'm going to buy something from them. Now they're definitely ready to buy something else from you. And so what you do is you have the, the, the first thing, the cheap one is, is known as a tripwire. It's something just to get people started. Well, now you make them in the offer immediately on the next page for them to buy your main course. So let's say you're selling a course normally for like, I don't know, $500, $300, something like that, right? And you've splintered out, you've pulled out of it this useful little one-week part that is your tripwire for 47 bucks. Well, now on the confirmation page, you make them a great offer of buying that full course. And you give them a discount on it or you give them some bonuses or something like that, you know, to make it really easy for them to make that decision. And about 25 to 40% of people who bought the cheap tripwire offer will then buy your main course. They're now ready for it. That's the perfect moment for them. About 1% to 10%, normally about 3 to 5% of people who get to that page for the tripwire will buy that. And then about 25 to 40% of people will buy the upsell of the, the core offer. 
the highest we've ever had is about fifty mm. percent. Um, people are it's it's wow. amazing. People are ready at that point to buy something from you. They just decided they trust you. They decided to take action, and now you're saying you've taken action on this little thing. I tell you what, because I can see that you're an action taker. You're someone who wants to get on with this and you want to get it done. I want to make it this great offer now, and it won't be available forever. Maybe only for a couple of days. But if you buy right now this, um, my main course, I'm going to make you this great deal. And it's going to really help you to achieve the main problem that you're trying to solve, which I know you're trying to solve because you just bought this cheap thing from me. And it all kind of flows together beautifully. Um, and it just, that's, that's the, the next step to set up. That definitely sounds like it's working. Oh, it always works. <laughs> it always works. Because if you've got great offers, I normally only work with people who've got great products and got, um, right. a bunch of traffic already they've already got loads of visitors to their website now if you've got great mm. products and you make people an offer people have come to your site they've signed up there they like you they trust you they want to get stuff from you you make them the offer at that point then they are going to buy because you've got great products and you've you know your audience and you know what things they want from it so you just have to say this is going to solve these problems for you and they trust you at this point so they'll get stuff from you and how well it works then depends on a few things. But like I told someone this the other day at the that conference that we met at, and she mm -hmm. went and set it up, and she emailed me the other day. She's getting ten percent of people who sign up for her email list to uh, then buy her book from her, an ebook for like a few dollars, five bucks, and then she has on the confirmation page of that she's got her main course, and she's getting I think at the moment about ten percent of people getting that, and she's like not. There's tons of stuff she can improve about it and ways she can make it work better. But all she's done is just followed that basic idea and put something up there because she's got great products. She knows her audience. She knows what they want. She's very nice. She's out to help people. So it works. You know, it's not, this is like one of those things that everybody who works in funnels knows about and people who work in info products mm -hmm. don't know about. And so it's my job to help spread the word, to help people to be able to set this stuff up, you know? Right. So, okay. For people who haven't been doing that before, it sounds like a lot of work. Where should they be starting and what shouldn't they be doing themselves? Yeah, so the, I mean, to build a whole complete funnel that does everything is a ton of work. To set this stuff up, it's not these first, that first step with the tripwire especially shouldn't be a lot of work. If you've already got a checkout software that you're using, you know, Thrivecart, or you're doing it in ClickFunnels or however you're doing it, you should already have a page that is selling that offer. All you've got to do is copy that page you've already got and just put at the top of it something that says your checklist or your free guide or whatever it was they signed up for is on its way to you. In the meantime, I want to make you this great offer and have that page as the confirmation page. And then you've got your checkout software already set up. That part shouldn't be hard. If you're already selling something, it should be easy. You can do it in Teachable. You can do it in um, WordPress, wherever you, you know, however you're selling stuff. Setting up the upsell of the main offer, that starts to get a little bit trickier. It depends how techy you are. In Teachable, there's a tick box option for doing it as a um, as an upsell. If you're using Thrivecart, there's a way to do this. You know, there's there's options available for all of this stuff. The next bits, like if you want to then connect up, so if they sign up for this, they get this email. And if they sign up for that, they get that email, which is absolutely the right thing to do. Okay, now it starts to get harder. And you probably, if you don't want to learn all this stuff yourself, then you probably want to hire someone to do it. But just setting up that tripwire, you should be able, everybody should be able to do that if they've been able to set up their own checkout software. All right. Okay. So now let's pretend we have mm -hmm. this all set up. We're funneling people through, we're selling, and um, we get them to convert through all of the mm -hmm. three steps. Now, what do you think is the most important thing with the email marketing? So I heard you mentioning to basically... Um, Obviously, I forgot the word. Not to separate, separate but to... Segment, um, maybe? Yes. Segment, no thanks. My God, I should have activated my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> would have been good to have one. So anyways, um, to segment people probably into maybe different texts or actions mm -hmm. or lists or whatever. So what should we be looking at when we do that? Okay, so there's a couple of things that you might want to do. One thing is to say to people who bought who uh, bought the tripwire, send them a couple of emails reminding them about the offer of buying the main course from you. 
you definitely are going to want to send them some emails about that Tripwire product they've bought. Let's say it's a seven-day course. Well, you're going to want to send out an email every day for seven days or whatever it is that kind of makes sense to make sure you're fulfilling your promise that you're giving them a great experience. But along that period, you also could send them out a couple of emails saying, don't forget, if you want to buy this main course, then you could get that from us at this discounted rate for 48 hours. And then have another email at the end of it saying, like, in the next few hours or in an hour's time, we're going to close the cart on that one. And that would be, um, you could do it in a couple of ways. You could have that set up as a separate um, series of emails that only goes out to people with a certain tag. You could put people into a certain list, you know, put them into two different lists and the two of them get it. Technically, there's a bunch of different ways to set up. And I can't really talk through it because it's going to be different in MailChimp than it is in ActiveCampaign than it is in mail a light or whatever else they're all it's all kind of fiddly at that point to start doing all of the the automation i have to admit it it does that does start to get a bit fiddly um but the basic principle of what right. you want to do is have that so emails that say great thanks for signing up here's you know make sure you provide lots of value to them and knock their socks off and then um send a couple of emails letting them know about that you know saying that that main offer is available at a discount for a couple of days and that's that's probably about it. That's the kind of the essential bits of it, the eighty twenty in terms of the emails. So that sounds like I'm I'm doing something not that's supposed to be not that hard. Yeah, it's it's one of those things with the technical bits of it. If you're not used to setting stuff up in terms of segmentation and tags and whatever in your email marketing system, it can get a bit fiddly and a bit tricky. But it's it's not it's not rocket science, you know. If you spend the time doing it, you right. can learn how to do it. It just might mean that you spend whatever three hours learning how to do it, and then ten minutes actually doing it. The doing it's not the tricky bit. It's kind of learning like how does how does Mailchimp send these out? Like we had a, we had a campaign we did the other day for someone, and we were setting all of this up, and it was in an email marketing system we hadn't used before. So we had to spend a couple of hours and talk to their support team to find out how do you how do you set this type of automation up because they're all a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Right. So I do have kind of like automations for all of my email signups and for like things that I sell or for, you know, all mm -hmm. of my lead magnets. Um, and there are about like four to, I think, seven mm -hmm. emails long, depending on what it is. And so <laughs> there it ends, right? Okay. What happens after that? Do they get any more emails from you? Kind of not. <laughs> Kind of not. No, that's normal. Don't worry. No. It's all right. Nothing to be embarrassed about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... You so know, there's other things you can do. Uh, Sorry, go on. Uh, by the time, I just hope they joined my Facebook group or <laughs> found me on the podcast. <laughs> right. Well, so the other things you can do then in order to drive people back to give... Because what you want to do is you want to you want to provide your list of people with lots of value you want to mm -hmm. be really friendly and helpful and give them value and you want to make them offers because some of them will get a lot of value from buying one of your courses but if you never remind them that it exists then they won't go and get it or they want to sign up for your coaching but they've they've forgotten about it you know they're not thinking about it mm -hmm. so you just constantly want to have these these offers of here's something that you could get from us you don't have to be overly promotional you don't have to be spammy you don't have to ram it down their throat but you do have to remind them that you have these things available. Otherwise, they just, you know, they're busy. They've got other stuff in their lives. They'll forget. Even if you're providing value all the time, if you don't remind them that they can buy something from you, they won't really think about it. So what you can do over time is there's a couple of things. One is send out a few useful emails about a particular topic. Let's say you've got a course and you want to sell more of those. You send out a few emails about one little bit of the course and then you send them an offer saying, don't forget, if you want to buy this, the whole course, then which got lots more useful tips like this and different tricks and templates and what have you, then you can get that here. Or if you want to buy our coaching program, don't forget that we're, we're offering, you know, this discount or we're giving these bonuses or you can sign up. We've only got a couple of places left at the moment, what have you. And that's going to help you to achieve this goal that you're trying to achieve much more. Mm -hmm. so you just want to be doing that on a really regular basis you know sending out you know a couple of couple of times a month maybe even if you got really brave you could do it once a week have something going out with some kind of a, a different offer especially if you've got lots of different offers if you've only got one thing maybe you only do the promotion like once a month or twice a month or something but if you've got loads of different offers then people need to hear about all of them and different people will be interested in different ones at different times so 
that's the basic idea. I get that it's a whole bunch of work writing all of that. That's why people hire us normally. You know? It's like, <laughs> can you just make this go away for me? Can you just solve this problem? Um, but not everyone's got the money to do that. Not everyone wants to do that. That's the basic idea. You know, it's like just just give some useful content about a particular topic and then make an offer about that topic. Right. So talking about a whole bunch of work, I imagine uh-huh. of you setting up all of the funnels or you probably have a team you're working with. I hope it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so how do you structure your working days yourself? Um, how do you work with your team? Let's get a little bit and looking behind the scenes of the pictures. Sure. Yeah. So you got, I've got a team of four people and they're amazing. Uh, they do incredible work and they're actually a lot better at some of the technical stuff of this than, than I am. And that's kind of part of why I hired them because the dealing with all of those details isn't necessarily my top skill. My best skill is normally doing all the kind of the big, the big picture stuff, figuring out what should our offers be, what do our customers want from us. And then the team actually does the work on actually building all of this. So my day-to-day work is I, every week I do a planning session and I'll go through and I'll figure out what needs to get done this week. And there'll be a whole load of business as usual stuff in there. You know, I have calls with my team. There might be some calls with clients. I might have some bits and pieces I need to do for marketing that my my marketing manager has added in for me to do. And then I'll look at what do I want to do to move the business forward. And so I'll plan in one or two things that are like my big rocks for the moment that I'm going to work on. And so I spend a couple of hours every day then doing those big rock things. So at the moment, one of the things I'm working on is figuring out my why really trying to narrow down and understand why is it that i'm doing this what is my purpose what am i trying to achieve so that i can make my decisions more easily and i kind of have my motivation nice and clear Mm -hmm. so i'm working on that each morning and that's not going to get me results this week or this probably even this month but long term that's the right thing to do so i clear a couple of hours every morning to do that kind of work to move things forward in the right direction and then the rest of the day will be spent, you know, I do my emails and I help the team out and that kind of thing. And the goal is every time I'm working on something, I try and figure out how can I set this up so I don't need to do it next time. If I'm working on coaching the team on something, okay, how can we make some training about this or create a template or show everybody how to do it so well that they don't need to ask me about it again? And then just keep doing that and gradually move more and more things to a point where I don't have to deal with it. I love that. I love it a lot because uh, obviously that's what we're here for on efficiency on demand. And when you were talking about your why and your purpose, there's one thing that came to my mind I recently read about. Um, and it it goes along the lines like um, the biggest foundation for your motivation is your motive. And mm. I really like this you know, because motive is in the word motivation. And I really like this kind of relation because I think motivation is a fake concept for many people. Um, I believe that motivation for many people is a thing that kind of they wake up with and be like, oh, here I am. I'm totally ready to go. You know, they, they think it's something from the outside. And I truly believe that's, that's a wrong concept to, to follow. Um, I think motivation must be coming from the inside, as in, as you said, you know, finding your purpose or a motive or at least a foundational reason why you want to achieve what you're building up right now. And yeah, I would love to know what you are doing right now or which steps you kind of follow to find your own why and how deep are you going? Yeah, so I've been journaling on this like every morning, I'd say for about a year, just just writing down each day, like, what do I think is my purpose? What is it I'm trying to achieve? Why am I doing this work? And it was very interesting for me because I used to have a business, so I still do, but I used to run a business, which helps get people into from, from hard to reach groups into physical activity. So cancer patients, disabled people, people with different disabilities, that kind of thing. and. That was like very clear for me, my motivation on this one, what I'm trying to achieve, how I'm trying to impact the world. And then I, that still runs, but without me. And then I decided to set this uh, new business up, work with people selling info products. And so it was a little bit of like, I felt like I was starting again, but a lot of the work I've done 
about the trying to understand my purpose is trying to find, okay, well, what are the things that are still common? Why am I doing this that is also in line with what I was doing before? What are my underlying motivations? What actually gets me out of bed in the morning? What gets me excited about stuff? And for me, it's about helping people. And it's about trying to help people to be able to solve a pain point that they have. You know, for a lot of people, so for, just for specific example with info products, people have done loads of work and they've made these amazing products and they've got really excited about it and they've built up this big audience who really trust them and they working and working and working and they don't know why they're not selling more and the reason they're not selling more is because they don't have the funnel is the bridge in the middle and so what i do is i try and so solve that pain point of helping them to identify what it is and to and to fix it but that's like a really concrete example of it rather than the underlying motivation the motivation is how can I be able to help people to solve their pain points and to do it really beautifully, to do it in a way that's really elegant and just works almost effortlessly. Mm. And that's what I really love. I really love to be able to make things work so well, so smoothly that it almost confuses people. It just is just so neat and so well run. And I just, I just really love doing that. And I don't know exactly why, but it's okay. I just, mm -hmm. I just love doing it. Right. And so I've just been thinking about it every day, just trying to think, well, what is it? What, what gets to me? And I've written out, I think in the last week, I've written 10 different versions of this, of my why, trying to get to the mm -hmm. bottom of it and like rewriting, go, is that really true? Is that, am I being honest with myself here? So yeah, it's not very easy. This is quite kind of soul searching work, but the value of it at the end, I think is really, really high. Right. Do you know the concept of the seven whys? Is that the thing from Toyota? I'm not quite sure. If I've heard of five whys from Toyota. So they used to have this thing where as if something broke on the production line, they would, they would ask, why did it break? And say, okay, well, because this, this person put this thing on wrong. Okay, well, why did they put it on wrong? Oh, because mm. they didn't get the training. Well, why did they get, not get the right training? Okay, and just keep trying to dig down. Is it the right. same basic idea? Yes, that's correct. So with the seven whys, you would basically take your your approach that you that you basically keep doing with your journaling and you ask yourself mm -hmm. a question, basically, why do I love to help people get uh, solve this pain point in a beautiful, elegant way, right? And then you take the answer and you ask the same why question to the answer. And if you go seven levels down, it usually comes back to yourself. So... I'm not sure where this concept originally comes from. It obviously is a very um, well-known coaching concept, but what it, what the really foundational basic concept behind it is that it comes back to you and that it one of the six uh, human basic needs will basically show up in your why. Wow. And no matter how you phrase it or how you formulate it or how it shows up, but one of those six human basic needs will probably be the answer to your actual why. And I've done that in a coaching session with one of my business coaches a year and a half ago. And <laughs> what I loved about this was that they basically said, if you don't cry while you're doing it, it's not your why. Right. <laughs> they're saying like this why is going to so shake you up. First of all, because it's often hard to admit this truth. And second one is really it's going to it's going to make you shake because if you're not going to work for this and you're going to lose this foundation basically right um this is gonna make you like scared or or so basically yeah yeah it's gonna be afraid make you afraid of whatever it is that you lose there and i promise you i cried like a little baby doing this exercise getting down to my why and um i'm i'm happy to share it now but so my my basic literally the foundation of the foundation why is for me that i um, love helping people and that I want to be able for other people to enjoy their lives and this is what I why I want to give them time back because in the end I want to feel like I'm worth living wow and I feel if I can give people time so that they can enjoy their lives then my life is worth being lived 
And this was so crazy that I was sitting there and I was like, literally, I couldn't breathe. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. I think this is one of those things that it's very emotionally difficult. And so most people won't do it. And because most people won't do it, if you do it, then you've got this huge advantage in, in life because you know why you're doing things. Think everything becomes clear. You know how to stay focused. You know, you've got that motivation because you're like, okay, well, this thing lines up with my underlying purpose for living. So therefore, it's really obvious I should do it. And then you can make that difficult decision yeah. when it comes to the, you know, comes to the time of deciding, should I do this thing or that thing? Do I take the easy path or the harder one? And instead of accidentally yeah, exactly. taking the, the easy one and then feeling bad about it a year later, you go, oh, no, it definitely lines up. And you take the difficult decision, you do what needs doing. And so that really makes yeah. it possible to actually achieve a lot more. So, yeah, I think it's uh, some good stuff. Yeah. And it was it was literally crazy how much it shifted immediately. Like, what am I going to do and where I'm going to take like, my business and my life? And because in my head, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to run my business first and then I'm going to open an NGO and I'm going to work towards a nonprofit and social business. I was like, why would I wait for that? So I partnered up with like the uh, nonprofit here in Chiang Mai, right? With the elephants and the anti-sex trafficking, because these are, these are causes that are really dear to my heart. And I was like, why would I even wait for this to support them? So instead of waiting until my business was actually running on the level that I wanted it to run before I start my own um, nonprofit, basically, I decided that parts of the income that I would make, I would donate to this nonprofit. And basically, um, yeah, for example, I would start setting up a fund for my own nonprofit in the future with this part as well. And so these are decisions that I wouldn't have made, wouldn't wouldn't I be able to know what my clear motive is of doing all of this mm. work as well? Wow, that's powerful. Good for you. That's awesome. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, one question that I always ask all of my guests is, how do you actually define efficiency for yourself? Wow, okay. So there's a couple of things, aren't there? One is... Like we've just been talking a little bit about the um, the idea of what what should you do, and then there's the other part of it with efficiency about like how do you make sure you're doing it in a way that is not you know wasting resources that you're you're going in the that you're managing to do it quickly. I think a giant part of it for me is about trying to figure out what is the what are the bits that really need doing. There's so many, you know, you know the 80-20 principle and you know that there's some things that are going to get better results mm -hmm. than others. And even with knowing that, it's so easy to put loads of work into something and then find out, oh, that had mm -hmm. almost no impact. And this other thing had way bigger impact. So for me, it's trying to figure yeah. those things out and like constantly reviewing it to find what are the areas where we are getting really good results for the, the work we've put in and where are the areas where it's actually this was totally not needed. We've got a system that we use internally for doing these uh, mini audits. We do free mini audits for people selling info products and we'll kind of review their site and point out to them where they could improve their funnel. And we built up this whole system around it with one of the ladies in my team and we found actually it, it wasn't ending up saving any more work. And it was really difficult because we'd spent ages developing this whole system and it actually didn't, didn't end up saving time in the end. So it's like, okay, so we've got to cut that and we've got to make that decision to get rid of that thing, to try and make this all run more elegantly. So that's, I mean, to me, I think that lines up that kind of idea of efficiency with, with me trying to make everything run elegantly. It's like cutting out all of the bits that don't need doing and just trying to make them either create a template or just delete it completely and keep figuring out what those are. And I find that work really emotionally difficult. I find it's emotionally way easier to just do loads of work, even though it like isn't going to get you such good results, because then you don't have to decide, oh, I'm not going to do this thing that I really wanted to do, or that I really seems like you yeah. should do. 
So I do a lot of like journaling yeah. and meditating and reviewing. Like I do a, a journal at the end of each day of like what worked and what didn't, what things are working better than I expect, what ones aren't. I review it every week. I go through it with people in my team. I go through it again at the end of the quarter, look at what projects have we run. We just turned down, I think, 10 projects in the last probably month because we decided, no, that we're going to focus on info products. And we used to do work for funnels and broader scale than that. and. So we've still had all these people coming to us saying, well, could you build us a funnel? And we've had to say no, which is really would have been really difficult if I hadn't spent enough time going through it and deciding this is definitely the right decision. But that's going to get us much better results. That's going to make us way more efficient overall because the info products are the kinds of clients who we can get the best results for. So every bit of work we put in gets much more results out. Yeah. And I think there's something really important that you said that it's emotionally indeed easier to just do all mm. of the work than to sit down and actually make the decision of what's going to get us the results and what not. And maybe having to figure out by the end of the month, well, I was mm. wrong. And then having to readjust, which I think is a great learning experience. But for many people, this can be probably like a a feeling of rejection or maybe they feel like a failure or or it could be I'm not sure but but there are quite a lot of people that I've heard of that they're feeling rather demotivated by by those kind of um, experiences right yeah and I get that totally yeah right yeah and I mean for me these kind of learning experiences are great whereas there are other like in regards to marketing, for example, right? If I would if I would set up emails now and send them out and I get no responses or no clicks, I would be like, eh, okay, I'm not gonna send another one. <laughs> <Basically>. right. <laughs> that, would, that would be me, right? So I would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then obviously that, I would like, forget about that I didn't send one in like three months. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had something with um I kind of go through this with trying to create offers. So one of the things I do is I interview people, I ask them and try and understand what their pain point is and then figure out something that I think would solve that because people can't know what the solution is going to be. That's my job to figure out what the solution is, but they can tell me a bit about their problems. So then I go and I figure out, I think this would solve your problem and I go to people and I talk to them about it. And I would say about three quarters of the time, I'm, I'm just like, just wrong. Just people aren't interested. I've gone to them with what I think is going to be this great solution. And I get this very emotionally blasé reaction where they just say, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds good. I'm like, okay, ditch it. That's gone. And I'll <laughs> completely throw it out and rebuild it until occasionally I'll find something where I, people go, that sounds cool. Uh, but then I'll lose them in some other part of it. And I take the bit that's mm -hmm. cool and I redo it and redo it. And it's just if you're prepared to go through that, that kind of emotionally difficult work of getting that feedback and being completely wrong and then redoing it again. You can make progress really quickly. Like I'll go through yeah. eight iterations in like a month or something and I'll go and I'll talk to right. people and they won't be interested. Instead of trying to hammer it and figure out how do I convince them to be interested, I'll just I'll go, okay, I was wrong, completely throw it out and start again. But then there's other areas where I'm not so good at that and I've still got to work on it. You know, places where, like you say with your emails, I'm more emotionally attached to it and I really struggle to go, oh, maybe I'm wrong about that one and let go of it. So it's a constant, it's a constant uh, growing experience, this, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And I feel like, you know, especially when we're looking at prioritizing, which really this is the work which we got to do to be more efficient, right? Mm. I feel like if people by the end of the month find out that the thing that they've prioritized in the first place is not having such an impact as they were hoping or thinking of, they might get a little bit, um, how, how would you say that? Discouraged? Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect word, thanks. And I think like this is, this is the thing, right? I feel like sometimes that entrepreneurs and business owners need a little bit more, I would say air in the lungs. That's probably what we would say in Sherman. I don't know. So because we should be not running a sprint, we should be in for the marathon, right? Because we're in for the long run. Mm. So instead of thinking like, okay, it's so just first time that I prioritize this thing must be the most impactful thing ever. 
instead of thinking that way, you want to not achieve like the biggest goal in the next month, but you want to have like these tiny milestones that add up to the big goal within mm. the year. And I think if you, if you think about that, first of all, the disappointment of not achieving something is smaller. And the having more wins is also a different thing um, for you as in your motivation, basically, that you can keep yourself up with. So you can have more wins and the little losses that you have are not as impactful on your own encouragement, basically. This is how I see it. Yeah, that's powerful. I like that. It's interesting. I'm going to have a good think about that. I think one of the things that I have managed to do well around that is being willing to be wrong. It's like, say, I'm going to try this and it might be right and it might be wrong. And if it's right, that's great because it gives, it tells me I'm going in the right direction. I can keep doing more of that. And if it's wrong, it's great because it tells me not to go in that direction to try something else. And, mm. and being, you know, not seeing being wrong about it as an issue, seeing it as useful feedback from the market about what I should, you know, which way I shouldn't go. Oops, don't go that way. Okay. And if I know in advance, this is probably going to take me eight goes to get it right. Then when I've had five yeah. goes and it's been wrong every time, I don't have to feel discouraged. I can go, okay, that's fine. I now know that those five ideas I had weren't right. So I'll try something else quickly. And uh, mm -hmm. there's other areas though, where I definitely, as you, were as you were talking through it there, I was thinking, yeah, I'm not doing enough of that being willing to be wrong i'm not doing enough of that setting myself the little goals along the way that you mentioned so i'm going to go and think about that and try and work on that oh i think that's a good one for next year yeah like setting those little milestones you know because so i'm gonna have a workshop coming up um here I'm saying here, but I'm not even in Thailand right now. <laughs> but this is where, where it's going to be <laughs> for our business network, basically. But it's mm -hmm. going to be remote as well. And we're going to plan the year ahead. Nice. But where we're really going to focus is basically like the first three months. Because I always say that you can plan as much as you want your whole year, but it's going to be changing anyways, mm. latest in the first months, which direction you're going to go, right? Mm. And so... I used to um, basically set targets for the year or like a big smart goal, right? And then targets for the three months uh, for the quarters. But then the monthly milestones are the most important ones and these need to be adjusted along the way as well. And I think that's where people go wrong as well in their, in their goals when they want to achieve them. So let's say, for example... I think the easiest is always to say weight loss because it's kind of so tangible, right? Mm. So let's say you want to lose 25 kilos and you lose like 10 in the first three months. And then you think like, oh, great. Instead of one year, it's only going to take me like six months because it's, I'm almost halfway through. But what people don't understand is that the last half of losing those uh, big amounts of kilos is the hardest one, right? And it might take them double or three times as long as the first 10 kilos and so this is what i mean with adjusting your goals and the milestones and how to approach them right and you're right so you might be willing or you might be seeing that you have to be more willing to be wrong along the way and um yeah i think what we also kind of need to look at is to stop comparing ourselves especially with this whole social media kind of stuff these days people are calling out others so rudely and I don't know where they find the time for it, but I see posts <laughs> so often <laughs> complaining about others and what they do and how they do it and how they look like and what they post. And then they post about what they post. And I'm like, how do you even find the time for these kind of things? Like, why do you complain about others? Just let them be. If you don't like it, just scroll on move on, unfriend them. I don't know. It's just, you know, why is it such a thing to call people out? Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't go on social media very much. I don't find it to be a very positive experience. Yeah. And I think that's why you're also more willing to do things wrong. Because if you're on social media a lot and you do something wrong, there is this thing like you might be called out by someone for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's no fun. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something interesting about that, isn't it? The kind of human psyche. It's it's very hard to not care about people pointing, you know, making negative comments. 
So mm. it's good to surround yourself with people who don't tend to make negative comments so much because you know that you need about like five or 10 times as many positive comments to match up to one negative one. If you're getting a bunch of negative ones, you're like, oh, just, just don't do it in right. case it happens again, you know, so. Or just hold up the mirror to those with the negative comments. That's what I tend to do, mm. um, <laughs> which I really, I think it's a, it's just great to just kind of hold the mirror back up and be like, are you sure you're the person who should make this comment about you? <laughs> I could see you saying that, yeah. <laughs> right? In Germany, we say, like, you shouldn't be the one sitting in the glass house and throwing with stones. Yeah, yeah. And so I really like this kind of person who's like, hmm, yeah, if you're, if you're sitting in the glass house in a very tiny one and you're throwing with the biggest rocks. Yeah. Caution. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked what you were saying about the um, the the monthly and quarterly planning. That's something that I learned from a took a course from a guy called Taylor Pearson, and he mm. uh, he did something called you know, on productivity for entrepreneurs or something like that, and the effective entrepreneur. That was it. It was really good, and he did, talked a lot about how you know if you plan things out in detail too far in advance, well, but you're going to learn more stuff. And so you're going to find out that your, your, your plan will be wrong, but you'll try and stick to it to be determined. And then you end yeah. up going away that doesn't actually fit. Whereas if you do quarterly yeah. planning, it's like, all right, you could set a big enough goal for quarter that it's exciting to achieve it. But yet along the way, when you get new information, you can then adjust for the next quarter. So I have long-term kind of vision for my life and what I want to achieve, but it's not specific. It's not like and it'll look exactly like this, and it'll have this much money, and it'll have this many people, much more general. And then each quarter, I'll set really specific goals of where I want to get to for the quarter. And then I'll set initiatives of like, these are the things that I think will get me to that goal. And I could well be wrong. So I might have three initiatives for the quarter, and each of them is a theory. And it's a theory that, okay, if I set up this kind of marketing, it's going to drive more leads for me. Or if I make this kind of change to the business, it's going to improve the efficiency of the business and will be more profitable or whatever it is. And then they're often wrong, but that's okay because the point of the initiative is, is not the goal. The goal is like, that's where I'd like to get to. The initiative is I'm going to just try and do this initiative really well. And if it works, then that proves that this should be part of our business as usual. And if it doesn't work, it shows, okay, that's something that we've learned from. And that change of yeah. mindset can very much, that really helped me to get out of the feeling despondent if I didn't hit a goal because I tried really hard and why I should have tried harder into the, oh, okay, that was interesting. Let me try something else mentality, which is yeah. like <laughs> way more healthy, it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> I totally love that. John, we are almost at the end okay. of our podcast for today. So I have one more question that I used to ask all of my guests. And the question is, if you would have to um, give your top three um, secrets, not three, because we are telling everyone, so they're not secrets, but your top three recommendations or advices or uh, things that you would do if you have to start out over again to be not working hard, um, but efficient and still getting to your um, goals, what would that be? So the first one I would say, and this is something I did because I, I started up my current business probably about a year and a half ago as I got out of working in the last business. And the first thing that I did was actually really look at the marketplace and ask what is it that they want help with. And I spent, I would mm. say, probably about a month going on forums, asking people questions by email, setting up calls, talking to other providers to find out what they were doing that people really liked. Just trying to understand in the online business space, what did people actually want help with? Because if you're trying to if you're trying to force something into the market that actually people aren't that fussed about, it's going to make your life really difficult for a long time. Whereas if you're willing to go and find out what do people really want, and then where does that cross over with with what I'm good at and what I like doing, then it's going to make life way way easier afterwards. Second thing I would say is then looking at 
the journaling, I think that's probably one of the biggest things for me is journaling every day on like what worked, what didn't work, where have I, what have I learned? Because a lot of those things, it's easy to just go straight past and not really think about, but actually taking the time mm-hmm. to sit down and think about them and review them and process all that information. And then I'd say the third one would be being willing to be emotionally uncomfortable. And I find meditation helps a lot with this for me. It's being willing to just sit there and experience the emotion of being really uncomfortable because normally it's a really good indicator that if something's incredibly emotionally difficult if it's uncomfortable for you it's probably the right thing that you should be doing now if it makes you feel sick to your stomach then no that's not the right kind of thing but if it makes you feel kind of (laughs) excited but also super uncomfortable it's like oh that's probably the right thing to do but it feels very difficult and so being willing to sit with that discomfort for me, has been super powerful. I'm, I've been getting a lot better than uh, that over the last year, and I've still got a lot further to go, but that's, that's really made a big difference for me. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you so much, John. Now, before we hop off, um, please tell everyone where we can find you and where we can get more information about your info product funnel geniuses yeah so there's a couple of places that i mentioned earlier if you go to datadrivenmarketing.co slash calculator then we've got a resource very very easy to use that will give people who are selling info products an idea of how much difference a funnel could make to their business based on their traffic if you want help if you want someone to have a look at your current website and help you to see how it could be improved and record like we have this offer a mini audit where we'll do a 15 to 20 minute video for people talking them through how it could work and how it, how their funnel could be um, improved. What's the things that could be in place. And you can sign up for that at pimpyourfunnel.com. And if people just want to get in touch, they can just drop me an email, john at datadrivenmarketing.co. Awesome. Well, everyone, you should at least go and let your uh, funnel be overlooked at pimpyourfunnel.com and uh, get in contact with John follow him on social media we will link everything below or on the right or left or wherever your show notes are going to be on your favorite podcast app John thank you so so much for taking out the time today it was amazing to speak to you Um, I can't wait for this episode to be launched And yeah, if you have anything to add on, now is the time. No, that's great. Thanks so much, Monique. Always a pleasure talking with you. (laughs) Thank you, John. All right, everyone. You know how it goes. Subscribe, leave us a comment. And if you have anything that you want us to talk about or whom I should invite, just send me a message on efficiencyondemand.com. I'll see you next week and uh, stay Pineapply and productive, I guess, right? That's what we need. <laughs> See you next week, y'all. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to Efficiency on Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned about your ultimate potential, how to control your time, how to create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. Limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on Instagram at Secret Weapon to Efficiency. We'll see you next time on Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Remember, slow down to speed up.